0: Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of New Books Network. I'm your host, Morteza Hajizadeh, and today we're glad to have Professor Chi Tawei and Professor Ari Harik with us. Chi Taiwei is a renowned writer and scholar from Taiwan. He's also a professor of Taiwanese literature at the National Chengchi University. He wrote a classic of queer speculative fiction in Chinese called The Membranes, which was published in 1995. And our other guest is Ari Hyrik. He's a professor of Chinese literature and media studies at the Australian National University. Ari has recently translated this novel into English, uh, which has been published by Columbia University Press. Dawei and Ari, welcome to New Books Network.
1: Hi. Hi. Thank, yeah. Thank you for inviting us. And it's always great to see Ari again online. <laughs> <laughs>
2: nice. Hi, Tawei. Nice to see you. And nice to meet yeah. you, yeah.
0: Great, thank you. Uh, It's customary to ask our guests uh, to introduce themselves and to tell us a little about their background, how they came to be doing what they're doing now. So I would appreciate if you could, Taiwei and uh, Ari, talk a little about yourself, how you came to teach, uh, for example, Chinese uh, um, and Taiwanese literature. Sorry, and Ari, you're also teaching Chinese literature in Australia. We'd appreciate if you could uh, introduce yourself to our listeners.
1: Uh, So should I... (laughs) <laughs> Should I speak first? Okay, thank, thank you. Uh, my name is David Ji, and um, uh, currently I'm I am associate professor of Chinese literature, teaching in Taipei, and um, uh, uh, although my discipline is Chinese literature, uh, what I do is actually um, uh, leading my students in Taiwan, uh, to read um Chinese literature through the lens of uh, queer theory as well as disability studies. So uh, you can sense that uh, I am pretty much um, um, preoccupied with uh, gender issues and uh, the topics about the body. And uh, uh, and uh, my, my current academic interests are also reflected in the science fiction I wrote a long time ago, uh, including the membranes. And I, I'm, uh, I am honored and uh, lucky that, I feel very lucky that uh, uh, Ari chose to translate the, the membranes. Hmm. Oh,
2: no, that was, I think that it's just such a wonderful book and I'm really glad to have the chance to, to talk about it. And um, yeah, you know, I'm Ari Heinrich. Um, I uh, also like uh, Professor Ji, um, my training uh, or my departmental background is in Chinese literature and media, but my like many scholars, my research actually goes in a bunch of different directions. So for maybe 15 years now, there's been a lot of attention in my work to visual culture, especially uh, contemporary art and experimental art that uh, that uh, involves the human body, the body parts and biological materials but also uh, in literature terms, I teach and am always a student of queer literature and speculative fictions. And in some ways, uh, Dawei's book and others of his writings really bring a lot of my diverse interests together. So that was one of the, I mean, am sure we will probably come to that, but this is one of the reasons I found his book so attractive is that it has a little bit of everything in it, a little bit of speculation. It has the literary art factor. It has Uh, some, you know, things to do with the body uh, being manipulated in contemporary commodified contexts, things like that. So so that it does touch on my research.
0: Thank you. Uh, Ari, you actually answered one of the questions I wanted to ask you later about why you decided to translate this book, but uh, you kind of touched upon that, but you can expand on that later on as well. And uh, uh, Tawei, this book was written in 1995, and it was... it is quite ahead of its time because of the uh, tropes that are, we, we, it's so commonplace nowadays, but in 1995, it was quite uh, 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 novel. So can you tell us how did this book come about? Why did you, this? Where, where, how were you inspired to write this book? And how did you get all these really new ideas back in 1995?
1: <laughs> uh, thank you. And, and sorry uh... to interrupt, maybe
0: you can also tell us a little, I know it's challenging, because it's a novel, we don't want to spoil the novel for listeners, but maybe you could also broadly tell us a little about the novel, what the general storyline yeah, is.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you. Uh, many um, many international readers, uh, I mean readers of the la- uh, English language, are very kind and uh, uh, decide to, that uh, the membranes is very new, is very prophetic, is ahead of uh, all times. But I have to admit that... Uh, um, in fact I feel so humble uh, with uh, these comments in English and I have to admit that uh, um, uh, uh, when I wrote my uh, when I wrote the membranes I didn't found I was uh, my ideas my insp- uh, my ideas were that new at all because I actually got a lot of inspirations from um, not only Hollywood science science fiction movies as well uh, but also uh, the manga the comics books from Japan and um and and i think that is a is a is a, an objective fact if we uh, uh, review the hollywood productions uh, in late 20th century and uh, to look back at the com- uh, Japanese comics books uh from the previous century, we will find that uh, in fact, uh, many of them uh, were produced uh, prior to my own science fiction and uh, uh, they already um, show uh, pay attention to the climate uh, crisis especially, we know that uh, especially uh, uh, Japan was so um, traumatized by uh, by atom bombs um, during the World War II. So uh, the nuclear disasters were very common throughout uh, Japanese uh, manga, as well as um, climate crisis, uh, they were so common in Japanese um, public culture. So, and uh, since Taiwan was uh, hugely influenced by Japan, it was very natural for me to, uh, to imagine story uh, in the tradition and uh, uh, in addition to the uh, international influences, I, I have to uh, bring up my boyfriend again. Um, uh, uh, more than ten years ago I was dating uh, uh, my boyfriend who was a student of the ozone and uh, he kept telling me that uh, uh, the ozone of the Earth, so uh, was in serious danger, and very soon all of us have had to live under the sea to protect ourselves from the sun, and uh, and uh, it was not. So we know that uh, you know, what we know about the ozone is not anything new at all, because we knew it several decades ago, and uh, uh, and it's um and uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, kind of shy for me to admit that I'm still with this boyfriend, and uh, we are still dealing with the same ozone crisis. I mean, maybe maybe the ozone is is worse than before. Mm-hmm. and um um yeah, I think that the Ari can maybe I, sh- I shouldn't s- speak so mm. much. you
0: oh, <laughs> no, should go on, please.
2: Yeah. Uh, no I, I mean uh, uh, of course I mean, it's 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 so ahead of it, his uh, of its time and it's you know I, I couldn't it would be hard for me to comment on what uh, Dawei's own inspiration was uh, back then but you know like a lot of great literature, it's really uncommon sometimes with with a good work of literature you get um, an idea that's ahead of its time but the execution may not be, Uh, Fully developed, and that's something unique about this book. You have both the idea of fully imagining a post-climate change uh, world, and also some of the specifics, some of the technologies and tools that these people would use, that turn out to be things that we actually use now. So it's just it's it's uncanny, but it's also I think a sign of uh, execution.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about the environmental aspect of the novel as well, because I, I, I did a little bit of research myself on eco-criticism and environmental humanities. And I forgot the name of the critic who wrote that just the same way we have sci-fi, we don't have a cli-fi. And that was... Uh, in early 1990s, but uh, there were, this This is actually a good example of this novel, it was a good example of a cli-fi as well. But we'll talk about that aspect of it a bit as we go further. But maybe just to put things in context for our listeners, I know it's a very difficult job, Tawei. if you could tell us the, Broad storyline without spoiling too much. It's spoiling it too much for the listeners, because I'm sure listeners will want to pick up the book and read it for themselves. That is a hard okay. job. Uh,
1: thank you. And uh, um, the story uh, focuses on the adventure of a woman uh, whose name is Momo. Uh, Momo is the Momo is actually a a Japanese word uh, meaning. Peach, And uh, many of you might know that uh, um, 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 Momo taro song is a very famous Japanese uh, uh, folklore hero, um, means uh, a peach boy. Momo Taro-san means peach boy. And uh, uh, the, the woman in the membranes is called Momo, and uh, the name is really inspired by the peach boy in the Japanese folklore and um uh this woman uh is uh, self-employed a self employed as a skin um therapist and uh, uh, she has she, uh, she has to take care of uh vi- various elite women's skin uh, he, she takes care of their skin uh from time to time and uh, and uh, when the when the novel unfolds, uh, we realize that uh, there is some uh, shocking secret involved in in all the skin samples she has secretly uh, collected. <laughs> so yeah, I think I that,
0: uh, that I, I cannot yeah. say anything more. I know that's good. I guess it's a perfect teaser for people to go and read the novel. And Eric, uh, how did you come to know this book and you translated the book into English? Uh was it a challenging job to translate it into English and there's always something lost in translation. Uh do you feel uh do you feel anything was lost during this
2: process? That's such a good question and I I love it because I feel like the uh, writers and translators work together in a lot of ways, even when one when say the writer is no longer alive. Um, but the any book that you pick up is like a conversation that you're having with the reader. Um, a difference between that and talking to someone alive is just that the you know it's a bit of a one-sided dialogue in certain ways, but it's still a conversation. There's still the questions of how you interpret it and what it means to you and what you've read that came before that colors the way you look at it. So with book like a membrane like membranes um i'm i've always been a a fan of speculative fiction and science fiction so for me i would have read it in any language anyway just because i enjoy uh, that kind of world making and um so i bring that history to to it as a translator and that is in fact one of the reasons i was attracted to it um i wanted to translate something that i enjoy um that i find stimulating And that does that really hard work and often unrecognized work in in a state of climate change of envisioning what could happen or what some outcomes might be. I mean, as a side, I won't start ranting, but it seems to me that, you know, the writers of speculative fiction who do this work, um, and it is work, of really trying to imagine outcomes, uh, don't get enough credit. We tend to dismiss science fiction and speculative fiction as Uh, just sort of superficial or as a form of art where as if art isn't, you know, essential to life. But when you think about science fiction or science writers or scientists themselves, one of the biggest questions we always have is what's going to happen if the planet warms past 1.5 degrees? And uh, that's a place where you really, it can help to have both science and creative energies put together. So for me, the membranes really satisfied a lot of that um, and makes it really good writing. It's also just a uh, a really well wrought tale. It's very tightly constructed, and you just no matter what genre of literature, it's really hard to find something like that. That you you partway in, you start to realize, ah, I'm in good hands. I can trust this writer. Um, to uh, to uh, I can relax and let the story do its work because I know that this the person who's uh, written it has uh, has a, a whole world in mind to share. So it was partly that. And then also, um, like other works that I've translated, there's something unique about the Membranes, is that it stands alone as a work of speculative fiction, but it's also considered an iconic work of queer fiction. So it's known as, a, as queer, uh, maybe not just through its associations with its author and the communities that produced it in the 90s, but also because of some of the aspects of its characters. And yet the book refuses to be... Uh, pigeonholed as only a queer thing or only a cli-fi thing. Um, it's really, uh, it, it holds water on its own. And I, I thought when I was reading it, this is going to appeal to a number of other readers. You won't, know, It won't just be me who likes it. Other people will also appreciate appreciate that it has all of these different aspects. And that's so far turned out to be true in English. So that was, these were all motivations. I, th- I felt this is a book that people should read in as many languages as possible, that there's a lot to enjoy. And it also destabilizes the idea that science fiction only comes from the United States or Europe, you know, that this is, that's the only place you can go for, you know, authentic imaginations of the future.
0: Yeah, yeah you raise a number of great points, especially the fact that sci-fi is... is, is sometimes people usually downplay sci-fi. I remember American writer Kurt Vonnegut was famous for his sci-fi novels. He never he hated the fact that his novels are classified as sci-fi. Um uh, uh, but the great thing about the beauty of sci-fi, I know whatever, I mean it's we don't really want to pigeonhole this novel into only sci-fi. But the beauty of it is that it speaks to to people, it speaks to to them about the contemporary issues, and especially this novel, as you mentioned, it's sci-fi, it's sci-fi, it's queer fiction. There are a number, of, and even uh, talks about the issue of privacy, data privacy, in a way, if we can kind of superimpose that theme onto that, uh, the issue of privacy as well, which is uh, something that uh, maybe we've become more aware in the past uh, four or five, uh, four or five year past four or five years. And when you were translating the book, I mean, you said that it's a well-wrought book, so it made your job much easier. Uh, I've read it only in English. Do you think, um, do you think the, the, the stylistic speaking, is there much we have missed here? or uh,
2: I, I actually think this is a book that was very cooperative for translation. You know, some of the books will fight against you every step of the way. This one, not so much. So I do think that, I mean, Dawei will correct me here or add his opinion, but I feel like readers of uh, Membranes in English will probably, hopefully, get a pretty good sense of what it felt like to read it in Chinese. Mm.
1: Um, uh, may, I, may I say something kind of pu- probably kind of bizarre? I think that the, the English reader might enjoy more than the reader of the Ch- or Chinese original. Uh, in fact, uh, it's a... It's a um uh, um uh, i say this uh, according to my own experience when i um when i read um uh, when i first read um ari's english translation of the membranes i was so surprised and uh, uh impressed because i i didn't know that the novel would be so interesting <laughs> to me i think maybe 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 oh, over but, but i i might sound like joking but uh, i I think that there is also uh, the factor of uh, critical critical distance. Um, it's very, it's it's not easy for a reader, for a writer, to read uh, her own or his own writing. But uh, when the writer reads uh, her or his reading uh, writing in another language, maybe the uh, the critical distance is very productive, and uh, and I find that uh, I. I really, I am really enabled to, uh, know more about the the membranes when I read it in English, and which is not uh, possible if I only reread it in Chinese. And uh, let us talk about
0: the cultural background out of which this novel was born. So, uh, I wrote the novel in 1995, and uh, before that there was this. Uh, martial law in place in Taiwan after the martial law was lifted you mentioned there was this cultural renaissance there was an explosion of literary genre especially from um from the United States can you tell us some give us some socioeconomic what was it so political background like in 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 Taiwan why was there martial law in place and um how was Taiwan affected by this newly found let's say renaissance cultural renaissance that you talk about Okay
1: and uh, uh, I think that uh, because I'm insider maybe uh, it's uh, okay for me to to give a, give you a, a review. Uh, uh, we know that uh, um, Taiwan was actually um, uh, protected uh, by the United States during the Cold War. So during the Cold War um, Taiwan was relatively uh, relatively safe under the, the United States, but uh, uh, at the same time, Taiwan was very conservative and very uh, anti-communist. And uh, 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 the, the Taiwanese government uh, imposed a military regime, uh, which is called the, the martial law uh, system, uh, from the beginning of the Cold War to up to the, um, uh, all the way to the end of the official, end of the Cold War. And uh, during the period, uh, okay, Taiwan might be more or less safe from any invasion from China, but uh, uh, we we were also be deprived of um, freedom of speech as well as other freedoms as well. Um, but after the leave of the, the military uh, regime, uh, in the by the end of the 80s, uh, people in Taiwan were generally uh, much freer than before. So in the in the 90s, uh, when I was uh, uh, when I was in college, uh, many young people in Taiwan, uh, including me, were very eager to explore everything new, everything which couldn't be possible in the previous decade, and uh, so. Um uh, people like me, um, uh, try to get involved in uh LGBT rights and uh, uh, to read and produce uh, to read uh, international uh, queer literature as well as uh, produce our own uh, queer literature in Taiwan, and uh, uh many many young people uh, volunteer themselves in the streets for um political demonstration as well as avant-garde arts and so on. So uh, in the so uh, Taiwan in the 90s was very exciting. and uh, um, we are oh, I think that when we look back, I, I guess Ari and I might feel kind of relieved because uh, not many of us were punished. In that decade, because it's not the case in many other countries, we know that uh, in many other countries they are uh, they are also um, temporary periods of uh, post um, military regimes, and however, uh, once these temporary periods ended, uh, many participants in the Um, post-military regimes were kind of punished or persecuted for various reasons but in Taiwan I think that the the political transition as well as the cultural transition uh, are more or less smooth so I am still alive my boyfriend is still alive and kicking and uh, uh, and, uh, so I think that the people in Taiwan are kind of lucky. And, yeah, and,
0: and uh, on. sorry, on, on,
1: I had a good time in Taiwan during the same period as well.
0: Yeah, I wanted actually to ask Ari as well, because uh, you've, you, you lived in Taiwan. Ari went to Taiwan um, uh, as an outsider, let's say. But what was your take uh, about the sociocultural background uh, then? And when did you go to Taiwan and how much time you spent there? Maybe you could tell us about your time there.
2: Sure. Um, I first went to Taiwan in 1989 um, and I was, you know, really emotionally, especially still a child. And the um, many years, I, the various times I spent in Taiwan after that were really correlated with my own growing up. So it's hard to be objective and separate out how much of my experience in Taiwan had to do with my own growth process into adulthood and how much had to do with the time and of course there's the 2020 hindsight of history that gives a perspective i tried to calculate once how many how much time i spent in taiwan over the years and i can't uh say an exact figure but more than seven years maybe eight years but spread out over 15 years uh, or more and um so I, my first visit was in, in 1989, just after the Tiananmen situation. And there was a lot of turmoil, uh, and a lot of people in Taipei who, who, um, who had come via Hong Kong. I knew I couldn't speak Chinese at the time. And I didn't know any really, I knew very little about history. So I didn't really understand what was going on around me at, um, just a little bit. Then over the subsequent years, I got to know a little bit more and, um, So I was coming of age, you know, around the same time that I mean, I guess Dowie and I are close in age. I think he's eternally young and I'm getting ancient and old, but we're on the chronologically close in age. And uh, so at the time that he was writing or he was composing Membranes, I was also um, having a really good time in Taipei and I felt. It was so exciting to be there. Uh, it was very. It felt like a very liberating environment. You could do anything at any time, and yet still feel safe. And this was also partly coming in from the U.S. Partly being, you know, white-skinned is another factor. I think of uh, that. That uh, there were ways in which, you know, the way I experienced being there as a foreigner were were certainly different to the way other people who experienced it, um, how, how that what their experiences were like. But for me, after some time there and learning, finally learning how to speak Chinese a bit and making some friends and getting involved with uh, with life there, I really enjoyed it. Um, the ba- the music scene I wrote about that a little bit in the in the afterward to this book was an example. It was just wildly creative, all kinds of uh, punk, and I had played in some bands. So I think this was my introduction when I got to Taiwan. I knew I would live there for a while. I tried to find some bands to play with, and. Um, and yeah, it's a great way to get to know people, you know, so the, the, the scenes just seemed so vital. They seemed so vibrant and alive um, compared to some that I'd been in in the US. And um, so I was trying, I guess I was as much as possible trying to be in among it and not necessarily able to see uh, from a broader perspective. I guess that came much later um, in, you know, once I started grad school and started to think about. Place more critically, and to understand a little bit better what was going on around me politically.
0: Yeah, and I guess this this explosion of cultural renaissance, all these experimentations with literary genres or music, all that uh, you both talked about, is somehow also reflected in the in the novel. Uh, Let me ask uh, Tai Wei about the reception of the novel in Taiwan back in 1995 when you wrote Mm -hmm. the novel. So how was it? received uh what was the reception like back there yeah uh, yeah uh,
1: thank you um the novel was um um it was possible for the novel to be published because it got uh, fortunately uh, uh it was awarded a major prize in taiwan um uh, in the 90s and uh, so the the novel was well received among um uh, literary critiques and uh, some book reviewers. But uh, I have to say that uh, 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 the, the novel was considered to be an uh, award-winning text. And so it was um, more popular among the elites than the um, popular um, uh, audience. And uh, so I find that it, we know that... Uh, Earlier we said that the uh, science fiction, okay, Werniger. Werniger hates the idea that uh, his fiction is considered to be to belong to popular culture. However, uh, I also feel uneasy be, for another reason because my novel is not is not considered to be part of popular culture. <laughs> so, um, so the, the and I also find that the, uh, in some sense the membranes. Uh, was also too early because uh, when the memoirs were published in, in the previous century, honestly, uh, the popular readers in Taiwan as well as in Chinese are not uh, were not so enthusiastic with science fiction. I mean, in the previous century, but uh, currently we know that the, uh, the the attitude is very different. We know that uh, uh, science fiction from Asia, East Asia, as well as, especially science fiction written in Chinese becomes very popular now. So, and I, I find that uh, uh, I feel uh, more or less some pressure because many of my fellow writers are writing science fiction now. I am not writing anything new, but uh, many of my old friends are writing science fiction. <laughs> so I do find that uh, I need to catch up. Uh, yeah. I. I need to catch up um, by writing, producing something new. But you paved the way
0: for them, right? You were the pioneer of that in a way.
2: I think so for sure. And I, you know, that question about whether, you know, why did it take so long for the book to get translated? Um, it mm-hmm. kind of, you know, it relates to me, to what you're saying, because I think the uh, it can take a while for a book to become a classic. You know, it's, It stood the test of time and a lot of works that come out now actually won't survive. You know, there, you know, I would rather translate something that I know has already um, earned, has already kind of demonstrated itself. I also don't mind. It's also, there's also a place for translating to, for bringing wonderful new things to light. So I'm not trying to contrast those two, but in this particular case, the timing was really good. I mean, we have all of this sudden flourishing of interest in uh, English language readerships for uh, Chinese fiction, uh, fiction that was composed in Chinese or sinophone fiction. And none of that, even though it's winning awards, none of it really, if you if you think that's the only science fiction that's coming from sinophone context, you'd be really wrong. Um, so having a work like the membranes at this particular time uh, be available in English is really helpful kind of to diversify uh, the, the image of what's available. It's not just some authors from mainland China. It's not just ones who wrote last year. It's people, you know. Clearly, someone has been thinking about this for twenty some years already in Taiwan. So it's, yeah. it, gets, it demonstrates something historically.
0: And um, uh, let me ask you a comment about uh, this sentence you've written uh, because Eric, you've written this article at the end of the novel, which is very informative to give really as a background about the novel. And this is, I'll just quote from that uh, article. Western ideas such as Freud and Judith Butler were popular in Taiwan, and Judith Butler's trouble with gender was uh, seen half-jokingly as a science fiction. And this novel is conversant with ideas of uh, gender fluidity or gender performance. We'll talk about other aspects of the novel as well. But I'd like to get uh, ta uh, Ta Wei and also you uh, to talk about this, about... Because I know that Taiwan, you studied English literature, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, so you you're quite familiar with this with literary theory, critical theory, and all these ideas. Sort of, I guess, influenced uh, the this this novel as well. Um, so maybe you could talk about this. I, I especially liked this when I read it. Uh, it kind of cracked me up that Judith Butters' uh, ideas was half jokingly seen as sci-fi. <laughs> hmm.
1: Um. I think that uh, and thank you for paying attention to the the to my accenture accenture. Um. Anyway, some uh idiosyncrasy. Um. Um. I think that um um, when I was younger in the in the nineties, I was trying very hard to to be like uh Americans. So I uh I read many uh American. I mean. In the '90s, I read many American series uh, and uh, many American literary works, and uh, I worked very hard to get uh, admitted to a doctoral program in the United States. And um, uh, and uh, in fact, uh, my uh, the membranes also even now looks American. It it looks more American than Chinese, although it's written in Chinese. But uh, it looks like. Uh, uh, Many of its references are uh, directed to American culture instead of Taiwanese or Chinese culture. But um, I find that um, it's really, um, 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 this idiosyncrasy really belongs to my youth. Uh, I am very different now. I find that uh, if I write something new again, I need to return to where I am, I have to return to East Asia and to return to uh, the everyday life in Taiwan, and uh, and I find it in fact is is even more uh, challenging because uh, to uh, many of us know that uh, it's easier to imagine what's afar, but uh, it's so difficult to to depict what is around us. Yeah. Um, so um so and, and, and that and my 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 transformation I mean my mental transformation uh, also reflects what's going on in Taiwan uh in Taiwan many intellectuals in the previous century uh, were very eager to learn from Western models but uh, it's very different now and, the main, and then many of us know that the, uh in Currently, in in Asia, many Asian intellectuals believe that we have to find our local values, or have to find to to uh uh, uh rediscover our uh local wisdom. And it's also the case in in Western countries that uh, many scholars, intellectuals, writers try to find inspirations from Asia. So I think that uh, uh my my. Transform the attitude, uh, also corres, corresponds to the the general attitude, um, maybe on the on a larger scale.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point you mentioned about uh, when people read it, they find it to be. And an American or Western novel because I had this question about the idea of representation because when I read it myself and again, I think you mentioned that earlier as well it comes from your educational background you're familiar with uh, critical theory, you're familiar with works of Shakespeare, you're familiar with Western cinema, and all those things influence their writing of this novel, which is, again, I guess, a uh, beauty of the novel because it's. It, I, as, as a foreigner, pick up the book, I read it, because I'm not English myself or an American, I read it, I understand it, and, I, and it speaks to me about the pressing issues of the world, about uh, the, the idea of gender identity, the idea of climate change, um, the idea of... Uh, Privacy and all those things. Uh, but, but can you also talk about the cinematic style of the novel? Because there are a lot of references. That there is this cinematic technique, the self reflexivity, and there are references to Blade Runner, classic sci-fi movie in Bergman, and also Ari as well. Because when you also teach uh, literature, maybe you could also talk uh, Chinese literature. You could talk about this as well.
1: And uh, Ari also teach teaches uh, media, visual culture. Mm. But uh, may I say, may I admit something kind of, maybe kind of uh, uh, new and shocking? Uh, in fact, uh, Ari and I uh, talk, talk to each other from time to time uh, on the internet, not in person, but uh, online. And I, I confess to him that uh, uh, the publication of the Membranes has triggered some dramatic change in my life. Um. Uh, um. One of the changes I experience is that uh, I refuse visual culture after publication of the membranes. Uh, I don't watch Netflix. I don't go to the movies. I don't watch TV after the publication of the membranes. Although me- membranes uh relies on a lot of uh, references to visual culture, uh, the reason is. I find that I, before the publication, or the translation, or the membranes, I spend so much time on movies, Netflix, and so on. And I think that is really enough. And I should uh, uh, spend more time on literature in any language. It's okay in, uh, uh, it doesn't matter if the literature in, in question is in chinese or in english or in other languages but i want to focus my time on literature but uh, i don't want to be distracted by <laughs> by movies anymore i think that it kind of kind of weird but the, um and um i think that the, nowadays we, we many of us really pay a lot or maybe too much time on the visually stimulating text, but uh, um, I, I find that I need, if I, I, but I, now I choose to, to, to uh, enjoy and value, the texture pleasure more. So. <laughs> That's quite ironic in a way. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, but, uh, but I, see I I'm, I'm, so far I'm happy with my, my change.
2: But I often uh, uh, joke with Dawei and, and <clears throat> tease him a little bit because the uh, the book is also um, it would make a fantastic movie. I think <laughs> if somebody would <laughs> really adapt it, it would really be a, a great, really excellent film. Um, so hopefully, maybe somebody will do will write the screenplay version someday. But.
1: Um, in in I in that I I don't hate the movies, and uh, if somebody if somebody, uh, tries to buy the membranes and make it into something to sell it for Netflix, I think that's great. I don't dislike the idea, but uh, I find that uh, as a consumer of text, uh, I really don't have time to watch because there are so many. Okay. To be honest, after the publication of the Membranes, uh, I also feel uh, the impulse to see what's going on, uh, what other science fiction writers have uh, published in recent years. I have to check out what, what other people write. And I find that this, there are so many uh, new and old um, fascinating science fiction texts, and I cannot possibly finish reading them. So if I cannot finish reading all the fascinating science fiction titles, how can I have spent time on any more uh, movie or TV show? So that's is my that's that's of my calculation.
0: Yeah. yeah, I guess we're all somehow we're all kind of plagued with this idea of being overwhelmed uh, with visual culture, movies, and yeah. uh, at the same time, we feel like we are left behind from important things that we need to be to be doing. Yeah. So it's a certain feeling I can also relate to.
1: <laughs> yeah, and uh, uh, so uh, thanks to Aris Everett, before his trans- translation of the membranes, I, I spend my time happily on Netflix and Facebook, but uh, now I quit Facebook. When I quit Netflix, I also quit Facebook because I horrified that if I don't spend time there, I could have spent time reading uh, fiction. That's <laughs> sorry, i'm I'm so. I'm so calculating. It's I, I sound pathetic.
2: <laughs> that's great. No, we should all we should all do that. It would be it would be, it would be great to be truly liberated from the internet.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Mm. And that's the same feeling that I have. I I spend way too much time on social media, Twitter, to see what's going on, what authors are writing about, whether the debates and discussions. And uh, there was actually a book called "The Tyrants on Twitter" or something, which, which was recently. It's about all those online debate, not debates, online fights. Actually,
2: those mm. cultural war online. Mm. And then
0: I'm kind of obsessed and addicted to them. I follow them, but at the end of the day, I feel like I wasted my time. I've just annoyed myself more, and i I could have spent that time more fruitfully reading a book. Uh, uh, but uh, again, uh, that, uh. that yeah, that's a feeling I understand.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a
2: tough one, isn't uh, it? Mm.
1: Yeah. I think that is. I uh to be fair, I think that the uh uh, what that? you you didn't waste your time. Uh, I think I, I admit that it's still worth it to, to, to watch or to particip- participate on in the online debates. But I also mean that it is very mentally exhausting, and um, uh, and uh, um and uh, as you said that sometimes it's sweeter. For us to focus on, on just on reading in the evening. <laughs> Sorry, I, are uh, sound so old-fashioned now.
2: No, it's great. I think this is where we should all. It's it, an evolution.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> um. Let us talk about the idea of body and also cyborg in this text. Uh, well, well, I, I don't exactly remember what Donna Haraway wrote uh, the famous Cyborg Manifesto, but I guess it was around the same in the 1990s. Um, so maybe you could both talk about the idea of body and even the significance or symbolism of the word membrane. Because when I read the novel, not on the first read, it kind of escaped me, but having finished the novel, I realized the second paragraph of the novel, uh, I'll just quote from the novel, membranes filtered almost every impression of the world. So it's the idea that, that skin um, and, and, and membrane, how it, uh, let's say, filters or, or, or kind of um, uh, influences or impacts our, our interaction with the world around us. What, what, is it, what is it about that skin, that borderline that makes us either a human or a cyborg? So maybe you could talk about the symbolism of the word membrane and also the idea of cyborg embodies bodies in this novel.
1: Um, I, uh, I have to say that, uh, uh, cybers, cybers or androids or replicas or robots, uh, were not uncommon in popular imagination in, in the previous century. And, um, uh, uh, and the many cybers were actually, um, uh, embodied in other forms in, at least in Taiwan, uh, um for common people for instance um the the plastic uh, surgery became um uh, was imported from i mean the techniques and the, the as well as the business of plastic surgery um in taiwan was imported uh, were imported from korea in the 90s so um it was um i remember when i was in college uh it was very common for me to to find advertisements uh, telling us that uh, uh, women in Taiwan could be made uh, as beautiful and and as natural as those uh, remade in Korea. And uh, for me, during that time, uh, such remade women were not too different from cyborgs in the membranes and uh and uh, uh if you are old enough you might remember the, you you might recall that uh, uh some uh, um some electronic toys were very were very popular in the nineties uh um there is i there is something called uh, like uh, electronic chicken uh everybody
2: can own huh oh yeah so you' are familiar <laughs> Did you have that too? I didn't have it, but I know of it. Yeah, yeah. So
1: you know that the um, so even even adults had uh, were very fascinated with such toys in in the nineties, and um, and um, so like that. So it's uh, it's a form of uh, electronic uh, pets and um, uh, video some simple video games. Uh, letting people to uh, uh, assemble uh, their uh, their children uh in the computer i mean of course uh through the uh, softwares uh were well, also very popular So in the nineties so cybers were were not that new to to popular imagination uh but i admit that uh, uh Perhaps cybers were, um, it was not so common for, um, for literary writers to to combine cybers and the literature during that time, but uh, otherwise cybers in everyday life were uh more or less imaginable. Mm.
0: And Eric, and would you like to comment on the idea of cyborg and corporeality? Because you also mentioned it at the, in the introduction. That was one of the reasons you actually picked up the novel to, to translate it.
2: Yeah, well, I think um, <clears throat> how do we, the only thing we all have in common, usually, for now, is that we have bodies, and that's how we experience the world. It's how we know, how we understand, how to define what counts as real. So if you want to, as a writer or artist, um, mess with how someone thinks about what is real, that's a really great way to do it, is to mess with the body um, and to complicate what that means because it's normally the interface that we take for granted. So what if some of those interfaces turn out to be artificial or what if the body you thought you had isn't really there? Um, Those are questions that really force you to, identify what counts as real and what doesn't, and what counts as the boundary of your identity and what doesn't. So cyborgs really, I think that that's one of the reasons, when someone's fascinated with cyborgs, that's one of the reasons why, because just the existence of that cyborg forces you to really contemplate, who? wait a minute, who am I? And in some ways, that I think is what Freud was talking about uh, in his study of the uncanny, that idea that, you know, there's this talking doll, um, this automaton. At what point does it go from being uh, kind of cute to being really creepy? Um, so yeah, there's a reason the cyborgs have walked in and marched in in regiments to take over our consciousness. That's my opinion. Yeah,
0: yeah and especially nowadays where when, when everybody has a digital device, which is more or less, I mean com- uh, uh, figuratively speaking, an extension of our bodies nowadays uh all the digital uh, identities that they have created for for ourselves online and on the devices we carry. Uh, <clears throat> let, let me ask about the environmental aspects of the novel because like I said this could uh, this, this, this is an early example of a Cli-Fi as well. And uh, it was interesting that when when Ta Wei mentioned that the whole idea came to him through his boyfriend, we talked about ozone layer. And this is uh, this novel is in a world where people are living underwater. So how how does it address or talk about or bring to attention uh, environmental ideas, uh, ideas of global warming?
1: I I have to say that uh, the the more I uh, look back uh, to um, to the previous century, the the more I realized that how how writers and readers in Taiwan, uh, like me, were influenced by the, the legacy of the Cold War. Uh, um, and uh, in fact, um, um, a life under the sea was not so unimaginable to people like me uh, in the United in States because uh, uh, as, uh Taiwanese viewers saw a lot of science fiction from uh Hollywood and even um, James Bond movies from the UK uh, uh uh envisioning life under the sea so and, and i find that the, and and of course uh when uh in, in, in Taiwan uh people also celebrated the the space uh, adventurers uh adventures of the united of the americans and uh uh we also admire the um, the space shuttles from uh, nasa and nasa of course is a an admirable a highly respected uh, logo for people in taiwan so i find that uh, um I uh, uh in the nineties when i was uh influenced by american left wing theorists i was also uh, of course i was also uh, uh, strongly conditioned by the cold war legacy of the united states so it's kind of embarrassing for me to admit uh, but uh, um and we know that but the but uh, the the fact and we know that uh, uh, we know that uh, science fiction in china is very strong now and uh, uh, science fiction in china is actually closely uh, in, in uh, closely uh, associated with the space adventures, uh, of China. We know that China, Ch- China, and the United States become uh, major rivals in the in the outer space right now, and uh, no wonder both countries uh produces a lot of uh, fascinating science fiction on the space. And I find that uh, uh I cannot. Deny that I was also. I also uh, wrote my earlier science fiction uh, in such a, under such a circumstance. Uh,
0: so, uh, Ari, would you like to also comment on the environmental aspect of the novel?
2: Uh, I think uh, the in like in other areas, for example, when talking about queer literature or speculative fiction in general, the membranes, as I've said, it really offers. Um, Uh, yet another perspective and and reminds us of the diversity of material that's out there. And the same is true with uh, contributions to climate, uh, cli-fi, to climate fiction, speculative fiction that involves climate, um, that this one also um, offers a vision of of one uh, potential, one outcome. Um, And in that sense, I I guess I would say that the, the membranes and other science fiction works that deal with climate change in my opinion, are not necessarily distinct from uh, actual climate science. Like we put these arbitrary boundaries and say one is fiction and one is science, but in fact, there I feel like there's a lot more overlap than we normally give credit for. for, for. So uh, you know, a good good climate scientist, uh, the job uh, her job is to anticipate what kind of changes might occur if. If X, then Y, if we produce too much carbon, then what's gonna heat up? How is that different from a writer? I mean, obviously there are some key differences about data management and so forth, but I mean, the project of trying to understand how things unfold is the project that a writer undertakes. It's also a project that a scientist undertakes. So this book offers um, data. It's data that stimulates readers who are only in it for creative or for entertainment reasons, but it also offers data that perhaps might be useful in envisioning what the reality of the world will look like if we don't make changes.
0: Uh, you made an excellent point about the similarity between a novelist and uh, a climate scientist. And uh, you're absolutely right. It's going to go back to Kurt Vonnegut, I guess, who I read somewhere when he was asked that, about the definition of an artist and he compared an artist to to a nightingale that they used to have in in mind. Uh, so that's nightingale. If, if there's a gas leak, the nightingale dies first. So it's the job of an artist to alert the society who's more perceptive. And, um, Going back even to the 19th century, maybe there are traces of, uh, let's say, latent traces of some environmental issues being raised in poetry and all this. But again, it was something that picked up more speed in the 20th century. And uh, nowadays, we have all these great climate scientists who have been telling us since 1970s, even how the world is being affected. Uh, they are scientists, but there are also filmmakers, documentary makers who. Would take that scientific data and turn it into something creative, which speaks to a wider audience and, and alerts them what the future might be if we don't take actions. Uh, if we don't take actions now, and I guess uh, that, that that was an excellent point you made. And let's talk about another important um, theme of the novel, which is the idea of uh, gender identity and queerness. And as uh, T- ta Wei mentioned earlier, um, you are familiar with the ideas of gender performance, Judith Butler, but and, and in this novel again, uh, gender is not a monolithic category. It's there is this idea of gender fluidity. Can you talk uh, to us about why, why it's cl- it is also considered to be um, a, 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 an example, a classic example of queer fiction?
1: Um, okay, um, I think that uh, in um... In many Asian countries, um, sex is very political and politicized, and as well as sex bodies, and uh, uh, in the uh, in I think that it's is the case with uh, Taiwan as well as Japan, Korea, and uh, China, Hong Kong, and so on. Uh, when when people want to test the or want to try the limits of uh, want to try if they are um, uh, restricted restricted by any political taboo they will try by um, provoking any uh, doing something provocative about their body, their gender or their sex. So it's a so we see that uh, in uh, in some countries uh, uh, the um, um, not only the queer people would be, Arrested, even feminists or those who are for women's rights are easily put uh, arrested by the uh, by those in power. And uh, in in Taiwan, as I say that uh, the after the uh, political uh, after the military regime in the 80s, uh, people in Taiwan in the 90s were very eager to try if we were really um, liberated enough after the military past. Uh, that's why and that, and that it, it was very kind of in kind of an instinct for younger people to uh try to adopt uh, some alternative genders or a ton, a ton, alternative uh, configurations of sex and gender and so on so uh so I think that uh, in the in the 90s uh my my fellow writers and artists and I were not only interested in sex and the gender topics per se, but we were also interested in the um, political potentials and the implications associated with gender issues. Yeah, and um, and and that's why even when, when we, I mean, maybe not that we, when I get older, when I, when I am not so interested in sex or in gender topics anymore, not as, as I used to be. I still find that these topics relevant because they, they are so closely implicated with politics. So when we talk about genders, or when we, when we try to imagine some space uh, uh, beyond genders, we are actually imagining politics, and and, not, and that to be, and in fact, national politics. If we we need have to be precise.
0: Yeah, and and Ari, would you like to comment on the the idea of uh, representation of gender in the novel?
2: That's so interesting. I'm still absorbing what Dawei was saying about thinking about. It sounds almost like what you're suggesting is, in some ways, an obsession with gender is like an obsession with looking in the mirror to that what we project onto ideas of gender really isn't about gender at all. It's more more something about some reflection of yourself. Um but in that sense, yeah, the novel uh, I, I put it I, I place it with the likes of Ursula Le Guin, uh Left Hand of Darkness, a novel that also will kind of um you know, gender is there. It's important to it, but it's also not the point. It's not the main object, it's not the main thing. So Le Guin does something really revolutionary there uh, in that particular novel by, um, by inviting the reader to participate in a kind of transformation in gender uh, that, that's designed to, to force the reader to rethink their assumptions. Um, and I think that in that sense, the, the membranes belongs in the same category. But I don't know if Daoei would agree or disagree. I would say, you know, to some extent, yeah, gender is almost incidental in this novel. It's somehow incidental and also central <laughs> at the same time. It's that's something I I can't think of too many novels that have pulled that off, and uh, and that's one of the reasons it's it's a curiosity that it, it makes it so hard to summarize. I, I guess I've been really impressed with. Um, and, and, and thrilled to see the positive reviews coming out of the book. And I notice how careful everyone is um, to discuss the book without giving away some of the key plot points. It's not easy to do that. And I think the, the yeah. reason it's not easy is part of also part of the pleasure of the book.
0: Yeah, that's an But I think we have done a good job so far of not spoiling the novel for the readers and at the same yeah, time. And you know, I, yep. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Pretty
2: good yeah
0: and uh, the, the another fascinating thing about the novel which I think and I again emphasizing the fact that it was written in 1995 uh, is the idea of uh, data surveillance and privacy it's it's in the novel the skin contains data uh, so yeah these issues like I said these issues have been become've come to the public attention more in the past uh, five or six years. Uh, the whole idea of data privacy and with uh, with Snowden, you know, and the, the, the uh, and also WikiLeaks, but that that's something that you wrote in nineteen ninety five about, and I don't really think there were a lot of uh, Hollywood movies or sci fi movies which really address this issue. So I found it quite fascinating. Um, would you talk about that a little, please?
1: Yeah, uh, thank you. Uh, uh, it's true that. Uh, um. Uh, I couldn't possibly predict anything like a WikiLeaks or, <clears throat> or uh, uh, I wouldn't. Uh, I couldn't imagine something like a Facebook or Instagram. It, 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 or I would be, um, a media. Uh, no, 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 BNA or somebody before. Uh, these uh, these CEOs. Um, but, uh, but uh, I. I am certain, and I was certain that the conspiracy theor- <coughs> theory was actually very pop common in Taiwan among intellectuals and writers. And uh, why again? This is something to do with the Cold War mentality during the during the Cold War. Um, everybody can be a uh, spy in the eyes of the police of the state and everybody can be a communist and everybody can be a hero or everybody can be a traitor and um, and I was uh, educated in that environment uh, and we, we know that nowadays the uh still we people are still very nowadays are still very uh, sensitive to uh the conspiracy from certain countries so um, uh, i was uh, wittingly or unwittingly uh, tempted to adopt the mentality of the consp- uh, conspiracy theory and uh wrote something like the membranes so it was not too uh unnatural for me to do that and uh, but I admit that uh, usually usually my my fellow writers or uh Chinese writer and the Chinese writers uh, senior to me would adopt would choose to write some political satires more directly. They they would simply uh, refer to the conspiracy theories or um uh uh dissect them in their political satires. But uh, maybe because my novel is. Looks so queer, so it doesn't look like a political satire, but uh, in some sense, it's not too different from them, yeah. And actually, but I actually found it quite
0: uh, politically engaged as well. But maybe because I'm reading it, you know, in the context of 20, 2022 with, uh, with all these conspiracy theories happening, with all these uh, data issues that we've been talking about. And, uh, and, uh, and, Eric, how about you? How do you think this novel? Engages with that idea of maybe a, a data privacy and, and a surveillance uh, in our society.
2: It, to me, it was a, it was to read it was to feel really uh, seen, <laughs> ironically both way. Like in some ways, the book made me feel under surveillance by the book. <laughs> you know, this being watched because it identified that anxiety uh, so early on. You know, something I. I think of, I associate the anxiety of being surveilled with a very recent technology, but this, this book proves that anxiety goes much farther back. And in fact, of course, we could think about the panopticon and bentham and, you know, regimes of ways of setting up a jail so that everyone is uh, surveilled all the time and um, and how that plays out in the present world. So. I think there's some. It definitely the membranes taps directly into that stream of anxiety about surveillance, um, but also uh, it that's one of the areas where the technologies that are invented in the membranes really didn't exist at the time, and they do now. And so it's just it's that's one of the parts that's most uncanny for me when I when I was first reading the novel, or rereading it um, in recent years. Uh, was just to say, oh my god, that, that, exi- how did he know that was gonna exist that way? <laughs> you know, how did that happen? How did you predict that?
1: Good, good. I would, I think that uh, uh, I would uh, say this.
0: And mm-hmm. yeah, uh, so, uh, Tau, is there anything else you'd like to add, uh, about the idea of data and, and bodies about the novel? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, thank you. And uh, I, and uh, I also find that, uh, uh the membranes is. Uh, is certainly uh, about a lot of um, various bodies and as well as uh, various sexual acts and identities of the bodies. But meanwhile, I also realized that uh, uh, the book is also about uh, health. So the the book is about uh, how to... uh, uh, restore the health of various bodies and how to restore memory and so on and uh, if and uh, it's about uh, uh, the detection if the memory if the memory of a certain body is healthy if the memory is unhealthy and uh, it's and I find that it's really a lesson uh that I wouldn't uh, appreciate until now, and I, I really need to thank uh, Ari for uh, maybe unwittingly uh, reminding me of the, the value of health uh, in translating the book.
2: Oh, well, uh, you're too polite. I, I'm glad if, if that was useful in some way. <laughs> we should, I mean, we can all think about it, or perhaps after reading the book, go get a really nice um, skin care treatment.
1: <laughs>
2: more than that thank you
0: yeah well uh Tawai and eri thank you very much for your time and for this fascinating conversation
1: thank you manteza thank you thank you
0: Ari.
2: yeah thank you thank you Morteza. and it's great to see you again Tawei, and thank you for the stimulating conversation